SegaBits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Hello and welcome to Sega Talk, episode number two. Number 42, not number two. <laughs> already screwed up. Uh, I'm your host, George, and with me is Barry. Ahoy. And today we're going to be talking about pirating, adventures, and even a little bit of romance. And that romance is mostly me gushing about this game. So mm. step six feet away, please, while we talk about yeah. Overworks, Skies of Arcadia, and GameCube JRPG Masterpiece. Uh, well, it was a Dreamcast and GameCube Masterpiece. Um, and yeah, I did say Masterpiece. And you know what's funny? I actually went into this looking for a bad review of this game. Could not find it. Are you surprised about that? Because hmm. like... No, not at all. I feel like a lot of people that when they look back on this game, they kind of complain about the random battles. But I guess back then it was just the norm, you know, with Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy VII being so popular. So, mm-hmm. I was surprised that there wasn't a couple of those scores. But, the GameCube version is obviously so po- more popular. It almost feels like sometimes when I hear people talk about the game. Every time I, f- I read an interview, the person doing the interview was like, I grew up with the GameCube version. Are you surprised about that one? Mm-mm. Not at all. Okay. You can't surprise me. Never. They never surprise them. Mm-mm. As always... If you like the podcast and you want to support us, you can check us out on patreon.com slash segabits. Uh, um, we also, if you guys want to help us, you can share this podcast. I mean, growing the audience is more important in our opinion. And uh, yeah, th- that's it. And um, oh yeah, also a, a review on iTunes. I forget about iTunes, right? It exists. Mm-hmm. So Make it good. Barry, like we always start these yeah, off. What? what is your history with Skies of Arcadia? The super long JRPG. Um, uh, as with most Dreamcast games, I followed it through the official Dreamcast magazine. Mm. I would read about um, the very early impressions from Japan when it was Eternal Arcadia. I would, you know, pick up every tidbit if the game, if basically if the the, the writers of the magazine were excited. I was excited and I would get the game. And so, you know, lucky me, I picked this up. Um, I believe, what was the other game I got around the same time? Grandia 2, right? Mm, yeah. These released very close to each other and then they are both kind of the only big RPGs on the Dreamcast outside of maybe, uh, what's that one? Um, Evolution. Remember that in Evolution 2? Yeah, I do remember those. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Yeah, my history was basically like I wanted to play the best of the best and I wanted to play the games that utilized, um, you know, as much as it did. So I believe this game had DLC mm-hmm. with the the modem. This game had uh, the VMU support. So those things alone made me really want to pick it up. Um, and as far as like, you know, if I played the whole thing, no, I haven't. And it's one of those games I've always gone back and played a little bit over the years but I've never been an RPG guy I'm I can honestly say that I've probably only beaten 
two RPGs <laughs> in my life. Yeah. And even those are kind of a stretch. One is Project Cross Zone. Mm. The other one's Shenmue. And Shenmue and Shenmue 2, but like those don't count as RPGs. No. So it's just, it was really long. And I just, I don't have time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to me, I, I bought uh, Grandia 2. I remember that one. Mm-hmm. And I remember being really into the combat system of that game i thought it was pretty cool that they had that uh, like a little like clock thing you know where you uh, you take turns and if your guy has more speed he goes like around uh, across the there's like a little like line right and uh yeah. i thought that was cool and i was really into it and then i bought this game and uh i was not impressed at first because i got stuck right away i don't know why right away in the island i got stuck and i just went oh, i'm not playing anymore that screw this game i only got it for at the time for like 20 bucks and then one right. summer, I was like, I'm going to beat that game. I want to see what all the raving, the raves about. Like you said, the all these magazines were like calling this like the return to form for Sega's RPGs. So I was like, I have to beat it. So one summer, I literally just sat there and I remember like kind of being frustrated because I, I, I'm like you, right? Like at this time, I just wanted to play arcade games that were fast. I wanted to get through it as quick as possible to find out what was next. So I never really grinded like other people do mm-hmm. in these games. So I was always under leveled. So I would like get to a point like in a boss where I would save it before, and then I'm like, oh, I can't go back and grind anymore. Well, I'm stuck here. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to start all over again. So I would just like yeah. figure out a way to like chip in the system. That's what I remember like doing most of my summer, just trial and error until I figured out a. A couple of ways to like, okay, can I cheapen this move out? Like, if I use this guard, it doesn't do any damage. But if I, you know what I mean, and then like trying to cheap out the turns until I got a a, uh, a turn where the bad guy wouldn't do massive damage on me, then I would do massive damage. You know, <laughs> it was just yeah, yeah I, I, it was ridiculous. That's not the way to play a game though. It's very frustrating. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the uh, the game. In, in nineteen ninety nine, Overwork showed off the game to the public. Uh, it was called Project Eris, and uh, along with – they really, like, hyped up the fact that the Fantasy Star developers were a part of this at the time because um, it, it was led – so let's look at the the Skies team. It was led by mm-hmm. Rikio Kodama, who everybody knows her kind of now as the Sega JRPG queen. Can I say that? Mm-hmm. Uh, she did uh, – she worked on Fantasy Star 1 through 4. Uh, she was a. Uh, she also uh, obviously disguised. She also did Magic Knight Ray Earth, which is a super rare Sega Saturn game. So, I mean, you guys could. I, I mean, I recommend you guys playing it, but buying it, I mm-hmm. mean, you guys could get the ISO online, obviously. And she also did Seventh Dragon, which is the latest uh, Sega JRPG. Mm-hmm. Executive producer producer was uh, Nori Yoshi Oba, which who worked on Revenge of Shinobi. Uh, Streets of Rage 1 through 3 and a few other games. He's a big wig at Sega now. And I think this guy's the most important part of the game. Uh, it was directed and like some of the scenes were like written by Shuntaro Tanaka who uh, mm-hmm. he was a senior designer and he also went on to direct the first game of Valkyria Chronicles which is a lot like this game in the way that the world is kind of like he's it's his take on world war ii and, and the fantasy world and, world and what happened in world war ii while uh, this is kind of like his anime version of uh the age of exploration but yeah mm-hmm. at the time d- so during this time 
JRPGs were taking a really dark tone because uh, of the success of Final Fantasy VII. So every single game became more and more darker, dealing with darker themes and emo characters. But this game was more lighthearted, carefree, and optimistic. Uh, did you play a lot of JRPGs during this time period in the late 90s, early 2000s? And did you notice that this game was taking a different approach compared to, like, Sony PlayStation RPGs? Um, I did not play a lot of JRPGs, but I definitely um, paid attention to what was coming out. I I guess at the time I couldn't, like, watch videos or playthroughs, but I'd see friends playing them. I had a friend who was really into Final Fantasy VII um, and he was playing, what was up, what was, uh, eight and nine were released at this point, right? Mm, yeah, it was, uh, nine came out around 90, like 98 or 99, yeah. Right, and so I was seeing all those games, and, you know, they looked, they looked interesting, they looked quirky, I thought they looked kind of cutesy, if anything, I, I see how they're dark, but when you look at the gameplay itself, like with the big heads and the little bodies, you know, it's definitely, the, the Final Fantasy VII Remake that's dark looking, but yeah, uh, the original one not so much. But um, I definitely was sensing a trend towards more realism, uh, grittiness, darkness. Um, I mean, SquareSoft especially were making a lot of darker looking games, and so to see a game that embraced blue skies uh, and despite pirates, it was very like lighthearted, which I think. You know, you look at the Pirates of the Caribbean movies coming around those times, and it was like, those were also kind of lighthearted, despite some of the the uh, storylines they were doing. And it just, for me, it totally fit with Sega, and it felt like a Sega game. And so despite not being into JRPGs, I think a big draw for me was the the art style, the bright cheeriness, the openness and the pirate setting and i think i mean i don't know how the sales were for this game i don't know if this game would have sold well if it was a dark gritty pirate game but i i can't imagine it any other way really yeah i have to agree with you um i mean we're gonna go into the characters but vice is basically kind of a jrpg anime version of sonic the hedgehog from sonic adventure it really mm-hmm. did kind of fit at that moment with the spirit of Sega and what the Dreamcast was doing. Like, trying to look back, was there that many gritty games on the Sega? I mean, on the Sega on Sega consoles in general. Like, I can't really think of too many. So, yeah. So to me, it would be mm. like it just would be out of character for Sega to be like, um, now you're following an emo kid. He's uh, very sad with no hope for the future. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would say if I'm thinking of Sega games that don't really fit the more bright, cheery vibe, I'd say maybe Panzer Dragoon comes closest mm-hmm. because despite there being some pretty, you know, like uh, exhilarating levels, it's a very like somber and sad series to me. Mm. Panzer Dragoon's never been like a happy series. I always get kind of depressed when i play it you know it's like a rainy day sort of feeling yeah Um, i would say that's the closest yeah yeah that that's the closest in my opinion but like yeah i i can't really think of i mean when they do you almost look at it later on and go wait that's a sega game Hmm." (laughs) you know i guess guess published uh, ones but i'm saying like japan right that's what we're counting yeah 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but one, like you said, one of the notable things about the game that hooked uh, a lot of fans back in the day was the anime art style that you saw on the cover. In the early 2000s, yeah. it was the height of the anime boom in America with Toonami and uh, Dragon Ball Z reaching their heights. I don't know. I think Dragon Ball could still probably get a little higher now that it's still going. But while the yeah. game had a few artists making art, the main artist that got credited was Itsuki Yahoshi, who is a female, I guess, uh, artist. But like honestly, I was looking at her profile online, and she hasn't worked on anything outside of this game. She's done like I guess amateur manga over there, which is basically yeah. like fan, which is based on like Yu-Gi-Oh and uh, King of Bandits and Hack. So she hasn't got. Is this her art? This is supposed to be her art on the cover, but the thing is, there's other art. No, the art I send you right now on Discord is the one the art we're going to talk about. There's another artist that okay. did a bunch of uh, concept artwork called Shin Shinichi Morioka. Who worked on mm-hmm. King of Fighters '94, and it, and he—that's he, his concept art that I sent you on uh, Discord. Mm. And uh, as you can see, this is his take on it. So you could see if somebody else did the art on the game, what it could have looked like. Yeah. And as you could tell, it's totally different. I, I mean, what's your opinion yeah. on his take on the characters compared to what we got in the end? Like, as you could tell, there's, I mean, there's like a Green Reaper thing going on here. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, looking at his art here, obviously it's concept art, it's not finished, but there's a very kind of like high school quality to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm looking at it, and honestly, it looks like something some like, I mean, no offense to him, but like some American high school kid did back in the late 90s. Like, um, it looks good, but it doesn't look like something I'd look at and go, oh, that's official Skies of Arcadia concept art. <laughs> Definitely not Skies of Arcadia, right? Like, even the characters... Yeah. Uh, I don't know if people are watching this, but he did a, like, colored version of all three characters uh, that look exactly like the game, but his take on them, and they look kind of like King oh. of Fighter characters. You see that on the top? Yeah, okay. So his finished art looks really great. So I can see now this is probably super sketchy stuff just for him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I... Uh, I remember seeing that art that you're showing there, yeah. that like his take, and I was like, uh, you know, it looks weird. I don't like that. I don't like it as much. It looks like if uh, King of Fighter characters were cosplaying as uh, Skies of Arcadia characters. Right, yeah. right. Especially with the um, Pippi Longstocking hair there. Like, it does not work when it's like a fully grown looking woman. Yeah, it only kind of works when it's this anime over the top drawing, right? Like, yeah, it, the proportions are so weird when they're human-like. So obviously, hmm. yeah. Um, Interesting. Like we talked about in the past, or uh, we literally just talked about, uh, Shantaro Tanaka was actually majored in history, which is kind of like not a like. I, I've noticed a lot of these people that work at Sega are like, oh, I mean, I, I like video games, so I applied, but I was a uh, engineer, a space engineer, rocket right. engineer. But Sega hired me to make games, and now I make anime games. Uh, he was obviously influenced by the real-life Age of Discovery that happened in the 15th century through the 17th century in real life. While mm-hmm. I almost went through a bunch of the discoveries you can make in the game, basically when you get your ship in the game, right? Like the game is typically kind of like a t- traditional RPG, right? You walk around on the land. But mm-hmm. once you get your ship, you can go around exploring the, the, the sky, right? And you can make discoveries... And there was over, I think, 60, I want to say 60 discoveries in the Dreamcast version. 
and mm -hmm. it kind of added lore to the game. Uh, there was a bunch of discoveries. Uh, what did you think about their this kind of gameplay mechanic? And do you think it kind of like, I don't know, like did it leave a lasting impression on you? Did you want to explore more? Or do you think it could have been implemented better? Um, no, I like the discovery system. Um, to be honest, that's probably what I did more of just because, you know, I'd, I'd pop back in over the years and re revisit my save. And I was not invested in the story because it might have been a year since I watched a cutscene. Yeah. So I would see I would see what the next step I'd have to do is, but I'm like, do I really want to fight a big boss or do I want to like fly around and find some of these discoveries? And it was it's it kind of reminds me of um another kind of open world game, uh Red Dead Redemption, where there are things you can do in that game and you never have to complete I mean, you should complete the game because that's the point, but you can just kind of fly around or in that case you know ride your horse around and just discover things really <laughs> just find cool little interesting things going on and feel fulfilled and i feel like if they were ever to revisit this game it might be kind of cool to beef that side up a little more mm. so that you could not only play through the story but you could also treat it a little more maybe not as an open world game so much but make people feel a bit more fulfilled when they are doing that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I would say that, like, uh, they did a good job because I remember doing a lot of that and being really mm -hmm. impressed when I found, like, uh, I think there's, like, these islands islands you would find. I was like, oh, man, that's actually really cool. And some uh, bosses, creatures. Um, but a mm -hmm. lot of the game kind of had way too much uh, random encounters on the Dreamcast, at least. Where I would be like, oh man, I want to go, but how many fights am I going to get into before I get to this part of the map to explore? So that was kind of a, a problem, I would say. I would say that if they ever mm -hmm. bring it back, they could look at a game like Grandia 2 or Dragon Quest, where like the enemies, or Yakuza, where you could actually see the enemies run at you, and you could run away or ship away. Uh, yeah. That would be cool, but uh, it's just back in the old days. I mean, if we ever get a sequel, I pretty sure that's something that's going to be uh thought about a lot so let's talk about the story talking about stories in jrpgs is hard for a lot of reasons mostly because some of the important plot points that happen hours within these jrpgs are kind of part of the learning curve and exploration like i feel like if i told you half the story it'd be like oh man the first full the first disc i didn't discover anything and it would kind of take away from your experience of the game so I will talk. I will read the back of the of the box and uh, see what Sega <laughs> of America kind of tried to get you in with. Follow mm -hmm. the adventures of Vice as he journeys through uncharted skies to discover new continents and explore mystic ruins. Accompanied by Ika and Fina, he will wage epic battles against savage monsters, evil pirates, and powerful enemy nation. An RPG experience unlike any other awaits you. Uh, while the box, the back of the box is in line, it kind of dismisses the whole thing about the moonstones that you have to gather, which is six of them, each having a color and each being part of a continent. So that means you have to explore these continents and cultures. And hmm. it also the mysterious girl, Fina, who is obviously attached to these stones. Uh, they, they, it's kind of hard to put all that stuff in the back of a, uh, box, right? So, uh. 
What was your thoughts on the, I guess, uh, <laughs> storyline? <laughs> like, to be honest with you, it's like a JRPG Sonic the Hedgehog, right? In, in a way, because you're still looking for these moonstones. Chaos, I mean, stones, right? Or crystals or... Yeah, right. And around this time, you know, there was Sonic Adventure, there was Power Stone. So I felt right at home playing this game. Nothing really jumped out. And like you said earlier, Vice was really like Sonic Adventure Sonic. Yeah. Um, you know, right, which which is really interesting, you bring that up, because wasn't it when we interviewed Roger Craig Smith, who is the current voice of Sonic, we brought up that he voiced Vice during his cameo in Valkyria Chronicles. Correct. Yeah. So that's a weird tie, isn't it? Yeah. Like they're like, who is the best voice for Vice? How about the future Sonic the Hedgehog? Perfect. Um, so I mean, the story didn't wow me, um, but it also just felt very. Uh, I mean, okay. So I'll ask you this: as someone who played a lot of RPGs, did it seem kind of samey and um, uh, uninteresting in terms of just how the the characters were um, relating to each other and just the whole... I'm not talking about the air pirates or anything. Strip all that out, but does it seem very, like, generic JRPG to you? So, I would say it's very, like, lighthearted, stereotypical JRPG, but at this point in my life, like, I didn't watch that many animes, and the ones I did right. were, like... I remember going to school and, then like... Uh, some kid will pull out a VHS tape. It's like, dude, you ever hear about it? this movie? It's a adult only, whatever, you know? And it's like a psychological thriller with nudity in it, right? right? And you're like, oh, no. Like, that's the kind of anime that I was, like, pretty, like, would watch when I was younger. And, like, <laughs> uh, so when I play this game, I don't, I like the characters. Sure, they're a little stereotypical, but I like the, I liked uh, that Fina was, like, some sort of hothead girl that would always tell you the truth. And they, they were kind of stereotypical, but... I didn't find any of them annoying. Sometimes I'll play like a Square Enix game. Right. And I'm like, oh right. man, this character that's talking to me is just annoying. Like, why is he with me in the part? I've never felt like that with any of the characters here. Uh, right. Yeah. So in saying that and asking that, so like for me, like, yeah, if the game was, if the game actually is stereotypical or generic for people who have played a lot of JRPGs, um, for me as someone who has not, it's like, I was like, oh, this is great. You know what I mean? Because I haven't seen all of that. So I'm not really, uh, it doesn't feel like same old, same old to me, at least in terms of um, the character types in the game. So, you know, I, I think it works great. But I, I could see people who have been like, oh, I've played over 10,000 RPGs in my life, you know. I put in a thousand like, gazillion okay. hours into uh, Dragon Quest Seven, and I know exactly every How single people. Plot. I gotta ask, how do people do that? Because I'm looking at the math, and there's only 24 hours in the day. Like, how do people... Like, how is it that right now, in our little Discord, there are people going, well, I just finished the latest Resident Evil, and I'm like, you also finished every single Yakuza game. How are you doing this? Magic and a lot of free time. Uh, I don't understand it. I do. It's like a lifestyle I don't have. It's like, um, I don't know, I guess a lot of people right now are bored right now with the COVID-19. I guess. But like, but pre-COVID too. Like, I I gotta be honest. Like when 
sometimes people call me out like, Barry, you haven't played that many games. I'm like, I've played a lot of games, but I have not completed every single RPG that I've touched. And I don't know where these people are coming from. I uh, I do. I see some streamers where like they're at, they'll ask them, have you played this game in this series? And the guys all know. And I'm like, dude, this guy just does this for a living. And his audience is like, I play more games than you. And I'm like, this guy's job <laughs> is to play games. I shouldn't be a good uh... thing, right? But you, yeah, right. you know, I do agree that some of these games take a long time. Last night I was playing Dragon Quest Eight and like just on the 3DS because I haven't played 3DS in a long time. And uh, I swear mm-hmm. to God, like I didn't go to sleep until four in the morning by accident because I didn't keep track of time. So it, you should take sometimes JRPGs little by little, like just put an hour timer because sometimes the, mm-hmm. the you your time goes away. Um, so <laughs> let's true. let's look at some of the characters the first character we're going to be looking at is vice you remember what this young man looks like he's the main character of the game 17 year old boy or young man Mm -hmm. who is determined to become a pirate captain and see the edge of the world every flat earthers are very proud of this game as you can tell um his character is a lot like sonic like i said uh he's always there to help his friends no matter what Vice's character wears blue in the game because he was born on May, 7, uh, May 7th and May's color is blue. That's something that you'll start mm. noticing. Every single character has a color based on the month they were born. Uh, also, mm. a trivia hint, you could take out his go- you could take off his goggles during the battle if you press right, left, left, up, down, up, down, right, and left during battle. He'll, mm. He looks really weird, by the way, so don't do it. Uh, what do you think about his character design and like he has these like long boots, the blue uh, coat with the little like scarf, the little red scarf and the one eye patch. Obviously, when you're a pirate, you have to have a cool patch, eye patch, right? Right, right. Mm. Um, I think his character design is very cool. I really like the sleeves that are disconnected and have these like little uh, clips buckles. Yeah, there you go. Um, I don't know if you've ever worn like jackets or pants where like the like there's a zipper that runs all the way around and you can take the, like the bottom part of the, the pants off and they become shorts mm. like it kind of reminds me of, like the pirate version of that but no I've I've drawn Vice quite a bit when I was uh, in high school he's a cool character he kind of reminds me of a cross between like Beat mm. and a pirate. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. He looks a lot like Beat when you look at him. It's weird because we just literally compared him to Sonic Adventure Sonic and Beat. It's like the Dreamcast had this like motif for their heroes, right? Yeah, yeah, like just look at him. Like r- replicate that go- that eye patch thing, put it on the other one. Like he's Beat basically. He's got the little the short brown hair. He's got the little smirk. Next. Yeah, it's a character type. Next we got Ika who is uh, mm. childhood friends of Vice and also a Sky Pirate. She puts a lot of trust in Vice and thinks very highly of him. She is cheerful and energetic. She's straightforward and frank as well. Her main weapon is mm. a boomerang and quite honestly looks a lot like uh, Sonic Boom's stick character design. Uh, oh, sticks, yeah. Yeah, and her color is yellow because she was born September 3rd. Uh, what do you think about her character? And do you, th- do you agree with me? Does she look like sticks? Oh, yeah. I remember when Styx was first revealed, people were like, oh, wow, Skies of Arcadia reference, which I I wonder if was that was uh, actually 
something they planned on. Even if they didn't, um, though, it would be pretty smart of them to, like, just go, yeah, uh, this is obviously a Skies of Arcadia. Um, I know you guys hate the new redesign, so, yeah, of course it's a... Right, right. Um, yeah, but no, I like Ika's design. I like the Pippi Longstocking hair. I think she's got a very... Uh, I like her little smirk. She's kind of a smart ass, at least in the artwork. Um, and yeah, I, I think she's a great character design. Let's get to the the greatest character design, though. No, Fina, you don't like her? I think she's boring. Uh, she's well, she's a mysterious girl, which kind of she's just wearing yeah. a white dress. Not very mysterious to me. She's not mysterious. Uh, and uh, she runs away with Vice and uh, the Valuian Valun. Eon Empire, mm-hmm. they're chasing her because she's obviously a part of this ancient weapon, and she knows about information about the moonstones or crystals and uh, the legendary treasures. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Her character is whatever. Her main char- her main color is silver because she was born December first. Mm-hmm. She's uh, something, right? What do you think? about her i think i just think it's a boring character design she looks like your typical like rpg priestess really like the healer um, she's about to heal somebody yeah just i don't know just nothing exciting i mean i again i'm i'm looking at these characters as like from my memory in high school and i'd be like drawing them and if i was ever doing like a, a group picture of vice ica and fina i'd always get to fina and i'm like what does she look like and i'd have to look it up and be like oh is this put her in the background i don't hate her it's just you know like within the game i like her i like her character i like that she can heal me but just you know nothing too exciting maybe make her like i i don't know having some like old ancient like i don't know maybe even an alien that would have been sick but oh well whatever i mean well like i'm thinking of like kind of a contemporary at the time Final Fantasy X had that woman whose dress was made of belts remember that mm, yeah I thought she was awesome I drew her a lot and I hardly played Final Fantasy X and so compare and I kind of you know compare her to Ika and it's just Ika's so boring like if you gave her a dress made out of belts then I'd be all for it yeah um, <laughs> uh, so now we got Cupid or Cupal or whatever you say the little sperm thing that mysterious creature who looks like a silver ghost a sperm like being is her is Fina's weapon uh, mm-hmm. the name actually came from an official Sega Dreamcast Japanese obviously uh, ran comp- camp- uh, competition that ran from like volume 1 through volume 4 of the magazine the name was announced in volume 8 uh, other names were like Pun Amu and uh, Ruh Barb was the other ones the hmm. runner-ups. Uh, it he, uh, this little boy, this little sperm boy right here has a really interesting like mechanic. It, his mechanic it, it, where you have to like uh, transform him by feeding him uh, like uh, charms and moon sh- moon shards, and he will change to different weapons. He is. Yeah the strongest weapon in the game when you like evolve them all the way in the dreamcast version he took i think 800 damage or 500 or something and like they in the gamecube they like massively like took it down because it was too much so pretty cool it reminded me of chow's at the time what do you think about mm-hmm. this because it changes right 
Yeah, it reminds me of Chow's or Mag's mm. um, for the PSO fans. I thought he was fine, you know. I, I never really felt like I mastered him, though. I think I needed to get further in the game to really make use of Cupel. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Dakma, well, I had to put up his picture. He's a uh, old sailor that Vice meets. Uh, he lost his eye and arm during an encounter with Rakanam, a boss creature that you fight within the game. Uh, the creature took his son. He's obviously uh, Moby Dick's main character of the book. Uh, made flat, Or I guess technically the whale is the main character, right? Uh, he mm-hmm. is a big boy with an artificial arm and an eye patch. Uh, his mm-hmm. color is green because he was born February 25th. And I don't know where they got these colors. I looked these colors up on the internet, and I don't know if birthdays have colors, but... It must be a Japanese thing, because I looked up my color while we were talking, and I'm supposed to be yellow, but they said yellow was September, so that's not right. It must be a Japanese thing. I'm, won- but, um, I'm wondering if it's like in-universe thing. I don't know. Yeah, no, but I, I love uh, Dakma, or whatever his name is. Yeah. What is it? Dra- Dark- Drakma? Darkma? Dra- or Darkma, Darkma, or something like that, yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting, too, because with a lot of these names, there isn't really dialogue in the game that says it. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of look at the word and say it in your head, and that's how you move with it. So for me, it was always like, Rachnum was what he was always talking about. Oh, Rachnum. Rachnum took my eye. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really liked him. I thought he was the most piratey of all the characters. I thought he was really cool. Yeah, and it's... Kind of weird to get a fat, bearded old man as like a companion in a JRPG, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I, we already looked at the women, but one thing I did like about this game is that they didn't over-sexualize the women in this game. And uh, mm. they kept it, or even men, True. or even men, because like there's some Final Fantasy games where I'm like, these males are sluts. Like they're treating them like sluts. I don't know if I like this at all. I feel yeah. disgusted. Anyway. Ooh. Oh, sh- I didn't. Even- oh, in en- Enrique, look at this guy. Enrique oh, yeah. is a crown prince of the uh, Valuian Empire, who is uh, basically the villains of the game. He obviously mm. does not uh, agree with what they're doing, his nation. So he leaves and he joins you. Uh, he has a, so- a strong sense of justice, and oh, uh, he wears purple because he was born March eighth. Fourth, as you could tell, he's kind of like tails. He's like, oh, I'm yeah. so scared. I don't know we could do that. Um, he, he, like right away when you see him in the picture, that, that's tails as a pirate. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> one thing that we didn't really discuss though, some of these people like Enrique and uh, uh, um, I can't think of the other one. Well, Fina obviously they have pets, right? Not every character mm-hmm. has pets though. Like the blue, uh, Ica and uh, Vice don't have pets. Like. I wish each one had their own pet companion, right? Like, like to go with them. Like, it, like the idea that like pirates all have like a bird, a special uh, like species of bird. Uh, I uh, so yeah, that's because I know that the next guy we're talking about, uh, Gilder, he mm-hmm. is the coolest pirate this side of the edge of the world. He is a womanizer sleaze bag whose motto is leave, "Live as freely as one pleases." He searches the skies mm. for treasure, women, and excitement. He wears red because he was born July 20th. And uh, I find this guy to be the coolest design. Uh, he has the red king's coat. Kind of looks like, a, uh, right. like he's about to uh, drink out of a chalice. 
He has a bird on his shoulder that's a uh, parrot that smokes. Not in the American version, though. Only the Japanese version because it was censored here. Interesting. We'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, his design, I think, is the coolest. His character is uh, just a typical party dude, pirate guy that uh, always has women around him kind of thing. The cool yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the gameplay in the game. Um, whew, all right. Uh, the game had a lot a of things bit. going. Uh, like it had, the, obviously, we talked about the turn-based battle, the dungeons, and mm-hmm. the, the overworld where you could walk, you know, when you walk normally. It was all like a JRPG, nothing special there. But they had other unique aspects in the game, like manning a flying ship and getting past sky rifts. While we know that on-foot battle system was very simple and like a traditional battle system, uh, the game really changed it up with ship-to-ship combat, which was uh, more rare in the game. Uh, Hmm. A lot of people compare the ship battles to those of Panzer Dragoon Saga. Uh, The game's ships uh, system allowed you to have multiple turns in one action, which kind of forced you to, like, think ahead a little bit. Like, okay... My damage, <laughs> I have to damage this guy, but do I want to heal myself too? And I think you got like three or four turns depending on your turrets. But mm-hmm. the game had like a little warning system where you got colors. So if, if it was green, that means there was no advantage. Damage wouldn't be critical. Like it, the enemy does not have critical damage coming in. Uh, yellow was an uh, unadvantage warning that the enemy might have a strong attacks coming in. Red was super hazard. The enemy is going to be going all out on you. So be defensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hated that. A, a critical a C with an exclamation mark. That basically meant that uh, you. Uh, it was th- basically them turning yellow, so you could do something critical here and in the battle at that moment. Uh, right. There was more into it, but I don't want to get too into it because we're going to be going. Uh, we're barely one third, two thirds of the way through the the notes here. So. <laughs> Uh, what do you think about the ship battle systems, and uh, did it take you a while to get the hang of the combat and, uh, I guess, pre-plan? It took me a little while, but once I got into it, I really enjoyed the ship battles, probably a lot more than the ground pirate-to-pirate battles that were going on with the swords and stuff. Um, I remember hearing at the time in reviews people comparing it to Panzer Dragoon Saga, so I was like, oh, I'd, I'd probably like that game if I... If I played it because of this um, this system, and yeah, you're right. Like you would have to really plan ahead, and I, I kind of like that whole, you know, setup mm-hmm. for the fighting. So yeah, I mean, overall, I, this is probably the highlight of the game for me. Really, the ship battles. I thought those were really cool, and yeah, I would though. I would get really scared when it was like super hazard. I was like, this is it, <laughs> you know. I just. I, I got into it. I remember, like, uh, when we got, I got, you get the drill. I remember, like, just being so profane about it. Like, I remember, like, just, ugh, like, tears in my eyes when I finally got the, <laughs> beat the ship that was beating me, like, over and over again. And I did the drill. And I'm like, hope you like that, huh? Just, I remember mm-hmm. just, yeah, I got pretty excited about those two. Uh, one of the unique aspects of this game was uh, that the Dreamcast version of Skies of Arcadia had a Dreamcast exclusive vmu game called pintas quest which was uh very highly influenced by chocobo world which is a game within final fantasy 7 once you reach sailor's island or isle uh within the game and you talk to a young boy named pinta who tells you he wants to he also wants to travel the world 
you get Pinta's Quest, a miniature RPG with uh, it's just basically random encounters. And all the items you grind within the VMU, you could transfer into the game. So you could technically go on, like, go on a road trip. Oh, do b random battles, pick, get, get some items, and then load it up on your Dreamcast, and then have an advantage when you uh, get in, right? Um, mm -hmm. I, I think it's kind of lore, right? Like, I think the kid became the game, right? And now you're going around the world with him on your VMU playing RPGs. <laughs> so, the, I, mean, mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of like what they're implying, but... Have you played Pentas Quest? What is your opinion yes. on it? And are you surprised more RPGs on consoles don't have companion apps to grind items? Um, I did play it. Uh, it was one of the, <laughs> bizarrely, one of the reasons I really wanted to pick the game up because it took advantage of the VMU and I like games that did that. Um, I thought it was really cool to have this little side story going on where you could collect uh, exclusive items through it. And yeah, it's... It surprises me that there aren't more companion apps, especially now, because you don't need a VMU. You can have your iPhone, you know, mm. um, or your Android phone. And I know, like, for example, Sega has had Sonic Forces as a game on your phone, but there's no connection there with the uh, home console game. That always confused me. And I know, too, that uh, Fantasy Star Online 2 has a companion app for mobile, but it's not out in America, which I think is, I mean, I guess give it time, but I think they should have brought that over too. It would have been a nice little way to keep people playing the game while they're on the go. So yeah, I, I think Pinta's Quest is probably one of the best uses of the VMU on the Dreamcast. So I really like it. And, uh, yeah, I would agree with you. I really liked it, too. I uh, always wish we got more companion apps. I know that, yeah, I want to say Yakuza 0, they had, like, a minigame Vita thing that they released that we never got here. Um, I think it's kind of dumb. Like you said, it's so surprising, right? Like, uh, I see a lot of these games that have companion apps, and it's, like, its own game, but it's not, like, just a complimentary app. Like, it's not just, like, oh, uh, you get this app, and it's just random battles. It's more, like, it's an actual... A mobile game that you have to spend money on it's like uh, i don't know mm. about that i mean i like this because it's just so straightforward i mean you couldn't put ads in a uh dreamcast vmu game thank god um so let's talk about localization changes this is probably something that i didn't know about coming through this game because uh, i didn't really care about localization changes now you change something so small like in persona 5 like a little scene and now everybody's like oh no Ah, you ruined the game. Um, this one is... Uh, Skies of Arcadia had big notable changes in localizations, including the name, which, of course, I mean, it was Eternal Arcadia in, uh, in uh, Japan. But it had a ton more changes because Sega gave their translators more freedom to change the things for Western audiences. While the game still has the same plot, uh, the dialogue had been basically rewritten. According to the hmm. process, they did a Japanese to English translations, then got rid of the Japanese script, then rewrote the English uh, English one completely. Uh, hmm. For example, in the Japanese versions of Skies of Arcadia, Fina says, Mina-san, which means everybody over and over as her catchphrase. Uh, this was changed to like jokes and other patterns that they made up. Uh, hmm. Also, the team went on to rename side characters and weapons after the localization and quality assurance team which i definitely don't agree with that they could have just kept it the way it was yeah 
the western uh also uh, the western uh, the western release also took out all traces of cigarettes shops that sold hmm. alcohol now sold laquaya juice or laquaya juice and in char- a character uh named uh, Belina, which was a stripper in the game had a more <laughs> transparent getup uh one scene hmm. that would now cause controversy that was kind of glossed over i guess because it was just the early 2000s was uh, when uh, Aika gets uh, kidnapped or pr- imprisoned by Vigoro, a villain in the game, and he basically mm. tries to like force her into having sexual relationships with him. It's kind of played down in the game. I, I haven't played the Japanese one, but according to according to, well, I've seen the scene, but I haven't seen the dialogue. They're saying the dialogue is a lot right. more, uh, you know, implying. Impl- there's a lot more mm. implications. And he's also when Vice finally comes in, the main, the Vigoro guy has is shirtless in the Japanese version, so he's already kind of stripped down. That's a little dodgy for me, my dude. I, I mean, I don't mind them changing that. I think they could have just cut that scene altogether. I don't know why they had to have it, but I mean, hmm. I guess it's people's opinions. I'm not offended by it. It's just a fictional character, obviously. Um, outside of this, uh, the game's localization took four months between wow. eighty to four eight hundred. Between 80 to 100 hours of work weeks. So they worked each week 80 to 100 hours for the four months. And the script mm-hmm. ended up being 2,000 pages long. Um, wow. So what's your opinion on the localization changes? Uh, do you think some of them were warranted, some of them weren't? I mean, toning it down, I, I get. Uh, because the game itself is very cartoonish and cutesy to have all of this stuff like alcohol and cigarettes kind of goes against that then again i kind of like that i wish those things were kept in because it would kind of remind me of you know like 1940s cartoons where characters would still drink and you know look at sexy women and i mean these are pirates so you know to to tone that down is kind of strange but i do think it was smart to just kind of rewrite the whole script and make it work for english audiences i'm kind of reminded of um Samurai Pizza Cats yeah. <laughs> a little bit where they just totally rewrote that script made it a complete comedy I mean that's an extreme but I think if this game was just a straight up uh, Japanese to English translation it would not have the charm that it does and you see that now too with the Yakuza games they do a lot of um, I mean I think it's a faithful translation but sometimes they would prefer to give you something entertaining as an English speaker than something that's just a direct, straight-up translation of what's going on in the game. Uh, I will have to agree with you on this one. because (gasps) Yes! uh, I agree because uh, I feel like, um, I don't know, man. It's like even Animal Crossing that we have is translated and even the voices are different the little they do Mm -hmm. so a lot of people complain about this and i'm like at this point people are translation like english and japanese are so different um phrases little things like that um even even spanish which i i know Mm -hmm. uh you can't just do direct sometimes um you got to change it up for another audience and i think if you really really want to experience japanese version of a game you should probably learn japanese instead of going on spending all that hours and efforts going on the internet and complaining to people that oh i've seen people like literally attack the localization team of uh yakuza because they change stuff so come on dude just take all that energy take all that effort 
and uh, basically <laughs> learn Japanese, dude, and do the world a favor. So let's talk about some of the advertisement. Let's talk about the print advertisement. I didn't actually, uh, I, I didn't link you to this. So I have to get it. But the first one we're going to be looking at uh, is the American ad for, um, uh, you've seen this one, right? The Skies of Arcadia North American ad for the Dreamcast. The one where it's like oh, absolutely. the pictures of uh, Vice and it says, you can't change your reputation. No, you can't change your clothes. Uh, I don't know. Um, it, I, what do you think about that ad, if you can remember it? Um, from what I remember, I, th- I thought they were fine. Um, I mean, Dreamcast ads in general at the time were a little hit or miss. I think Fantasy Star Online had some of the best. I think Seaman had one of the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. Uh, so, you know, it was kind of all over the place. I thought Skies of Arcadia, by and large, had a generally decent ad campaign. Um, I, I can't really remember the English ads, though. Perhaps they didn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for for commercials. Uh, no, there was no commercials in America, oddly enough. Um, I was going to hmm. send you the, the physical scans real quick, but, it, man, you know right? You know what's slow right oh, now? Oh, don't worry about it. Sega don't worry Retro about it. Retro is slow. Sorry about that. But, yeah. The ad is – yeah, I thought the ad was all right, but, like, they really – we didn't even talk about this, but – there's parts of the game where you did actions where like mm-hmm. come and fight me and do this and you're like oh I'm I'm not ready to fight and if you left the fight and said no I don't want to fight your rep- you got a different reputation and title and when you went to towns people would know you by that title like uh, Vice the Coward Vice the Legend would be the I think the best one um, but yeah they really play that up in the U.S. ad um, but I feel like the game was like. I don't know. It, it did work, but like as a, a selling feature, that's kind of weird, right? In my opinion, it's kind of a weird uh, selling feature. Yeah, I I guess on one hand, when you when you look at the ad like that, it's almost like is this a gameplay feature? Like, do you have a title and it changes? Yeah, you know, like <laughs> which yeah. isn't really the case. Um, there's also I mean, there's also this uh, UK ad you want to look at real quick. It just has the UK version of the ad is basically has a ship and it's just on clouds. If you're listening to this on uh, audio, and it says mm-hmm. not every cloud has a silver lining. Dot dot dot. It's true. But it, it kind of tries to hide the anime characters. The American one didn't do that. They had Vice on it. This one, it just mm-hmm. looks like it, like a ship game. Like, if I didn't know anything about video games, i just look at it and I'd be all oh, Sega's making a ship simulation game. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think about that ad? Like, just having a ship and, and, like, some screenshots on the bottom. And, like, the screenshots are funny, though, because it shows one guy driving the ship, Vice, right? And then it has a gilder with the guns. So it's like they're mm-hmm. trying to, like, purposely, like, oh, this one looks cool. This one looks like – I don't know. It, to me, it's like you could have shown more of the art. Dude, that's what is selling this game. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think this is kind of a weak ad. I think the ideal Skies of Arcadia ad would have the um, the artwork front and center, big logo, and then, and I have my eyes closed because I'm visualizing it, like three very large screenshots, each one showing off and telling, like in text below them, a unique and interesting uh, gameplay feature. So it could say like, um, 
manage your own ship and crew, take on uh, take on rivals in real time battles, and then the other one would be like um, use the Dreamcast VMU for a special side adventure and collect exclusive items on the go, and then the third one could be something like you know whatever, like explore and make make new discoveries over 60 uh, you know 60 to five, like something like that like doesn't that make you want to play the game more than this for sure yeah and uh yeah. the next ad i had to send it to you on discord because you have to see this it's the mm. united states skies of arcadia legends oh ad and you know oh they, they were like you know let's get a new artist right here to do the art uh what do you think about the art in this game like dude Gotta zoom in on it so people could see it, it, it on the video. But like, God, look at look at oh Vice and look at God. They're like little kid drawings. Like they look like that looks like shit. Yeah. It looks like a Japanese restaurant's kids menu. Oh yeah, exactly. Or like a like uh, if you went well, like if you were in Japan and you're like, can we see the kids menu? And you're like, oh look at these. It's like the guy that drew um, <laughs> Little Nemo, like broke both his hands, and he forgot how to do <laughs> art. <laughs> this is how. <laughs> Look how far apart um, is it? Fina's uh, Ika's eyes are. Look at that. That's not right, dude. Like she, ha there has to be something wrong with her. This is really bad. I have to agree. This with... This makes me hate the GameCube version. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is it. This did it. Finally. The logo too. The logo too is awful. The GameCube version's logo terrible. I hate it. Everybody, you heard this terrible. Uh, the next yeah. ad is the uh, it's a, it's the UK version of it. It's basically just has like it, my thing with it. It isn't terrible. This one uh, I I could send it to right. you. Or you can see it on the page. It's right next to I it. I can see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, but it kind of looks like I did it. Like you know, sometimes I don't know really that much about Photoshop, so I'll do these weird like background things like this, where I try to like. Oh man, let me copy Barry's. And yours looks nice, but mine looks a little off. This is basically me trying to do Photoshop. Mm -hmm. I just took the art. It's a little bit better, but there's too like, what is Way this telling too much you about going the game? On. So I have a lot of problems with this one. First off, like it has all these like strips, and so it looks like it's maybe trying to tell like a story, like a comic strip. Yeah. And then on top of that, they're all different sizes but there's no real consistency like i guess the first and the second or first and the third one are the same but then it's a game with so many characters and yet you're showcasing vice vice and vice and then you have ika and fina uh cropped out really um yeah and too much blue i can't read the text yeah uh especially on the bottom where it says the uncharted skies are riddled with hidden yeah it's just yeah, it's, it's bad, and the screenshots are so small. Yeah, They're postage stamps. Yeah, they got it. They couldn't get them any smaller, I think. And George, can you tell me who's in all three of those screenshots? Vice. It's like the, there's only one character in the game. I see one, two, three, four, oh, five, six vices on one page. Yeah, it's ridiculous. There's this one where you meet this character on a side mission that's like exclusive, but it's like you didn't really explain that this game has exclusive content. You didn't explain. What's new in it? Why you should buy it? Uh, you didn't even like. I guess you have one score here that it's like it's a good game. Some somebody's name Cube told you. <laughs> oh, I hate Cube. Remember that guy? <laughs> uh oh, he might be listening. <laughs> Just uh, kidding. Um, we also have. I guess we could look at the Japanese ads real quick. I don't know if you want to. Yeah, let's do that. 
yeah. Let me uh, let me get the interaction going on here. All right. Ooh. Um, when you're ready, tell me. The first one on top of ready. The... Okay. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> that that sell you the game? It was like Hako, oh, open the door. Uh, oh. <laughs> what do you think about that, dude? It's like, I'm, I'm, okay. I mean, I can't understand what they're saying, but let's be honest. Like, it's 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 nine seconds of no game footage in a fifteen second ad. For sure. And uh, come on, this is the problem when I had with Skies, right? Like, all the advertisement was like they set it up to fail, but. There's a second commercial mm -hmm. we could look at. Maybe this one will save it, right? So tell me when you're uh, when you're ready. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, there's more gameplay. Yeah, this is more like it. I like this. the ship battles, the fighting. Ooh, cool cutscenes, monsters. I remember that big, like, green thing. I forgot yeah. what that was. It was like a monster. Giga but yeah, that's cool. I like that like one. Max. Yeah. Um, Oh no! I almost went down, and there was comments that you want to read that because I'm on the Sega Bits uh, browser to uh, share. Yeah, cubes there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the way they kind of like uh, advertised these both games, right? Uh, I mean, both versions of the game kind of had like they were trying to hide stuff, like they didn't really go all in on it. The advertisement, I think, was weak. I don't know. You would agree with that? Um. Yeah, I'd say. Not too strong. <laughs> and uh, so let's talk about one thing this game had that other Dreamcast games should have gotten a limited boxed version. And uh, oh yes. Mm. Oh no. Can I brag about this? Or is it, am I allowed bragging on it here? Oh, do you have it? Yeah, this is the picture of mine right here. But oh, um, beautiful. Um, basically, it came with a, a art book, and I even put the Switch controller for scale. Uh, mm -hmm. It came with a. No, I have it right here. Uh, it came with uh, keychains of the different forms of cupel, uh, mm -hmm. a flag, a big art book with a ton of uh, concept art, a key, a key li lanyard, whatever those things are called. That you and then like this weird like oh a lanyard yeah lanyard and like this weird fake leather choker thing that like looks like like something that some girl would wear. But like I'm pretty sure they're trying to imitate the little things that he had on his uh, on his coat. Uh, the little yeah. strap with the little logo of uh, the Blue Rogues. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously, oh, and it came with a big flag and obviously the, the game, the Japanese version of the game that I can't play because I don't know it. Um, have you seen the uh, Eternal Arcadia Limited Box? What are your thoughts? And what other Dreamcast games do you think deserve this type of treatment? Like, no other games really got mm. this big of a box set. No, yeah, and I'm thinking about them. So I remember at the time I was always like, oh, which I should import one of these or I should get them off eBay. And this was like maybe 2005, 2006 when the whole kind of like eBay buying collector thing really was kind of hot. Um, and I remember prices weren't bad, but you got to remember, like, at the time they seemed high, but now you look back and you're, like, laughing at what was seemed what seemed high at the time. Yeah. Um, I think I, I shared in the Segabits Discord pictures from 2011 when I went to a game convention, and I my commentary was, oh, uh, Panzer Dra Dragoon Saga is too expensive for $180. 
<laughs> you know. You should have invested, um, dude. That thing's going know, up right? higher than the U.S. dollar. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Whoops. Um, and now, you know, looking back, the Eternal Arcadia box is probably the best one that was out at the time. Mm-hmm. Others I can remember, uh, Sega Gaga had a great one with pins mm-hmm. and I think a, a themed uh, 8-bit VMU. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of the weaker ones was Jet Set Radio. It had, it, I think it was the De La Jet Set Radio release and it just had a t-shirt oh. in a big box. Did you see um, the, there's a Shimu one, but that one only said limited edition on it, I think. Like it just had a little like... Like a little, like the cover was a little different. And the right, and it came, well, yeah, I was going to say then. So with Shenmue, I can't really remember what was it. What was it, the jukebox CD? Was that it? I think that's what it came with, right? And the American one had that too. So it's not like that special. So yeah, I'd say what other games deserved a limited box release? I would say um, Shenmue for sure. And then... What else was there? What's what was a big one? I mean, Space Channel Five had one, but again, it was kind of weak. I think it had like headphones. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> um, Jet Set Radio is an easy one. Oh, right? Sonic Adventure. I don't know why that didn't have a big box. I mean, Sonic Adventure Two had the birthday pack, but that was for the birthday. But, it wasn't like. But that was for the birthday. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, hmm. it's surprising though that this game got it, and I remember like I wanted. I don't. I don't want to know if it was Dreamcast Magazine or EGM. But they had like mm-hmm. a preview of when Japanese people stayed in line to buy this version of the game, and they were showing mm. it off. And as a kid, I was like, "God, I hate Japan! Like they get all the cool stuff, we get nothing. We get nothing. Yep. We get scraps." But yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about a, a little game called uh, Skies of Arcadia Legends. Mm-hmm. You might have heard this version of the game. It was. One of the first ports of the Dreamcast game that was announced after Sega became third party. Uh, and it was announced for the GameCube and the PS2. While the game is proudly made in Japan, uh, it said, it, it, I heard online, I mean, I, when I was reading this, it said Point of View Software, an American developer, helped them port this over. But then mm-hmm. when I read interviews, they, like, Rikio Kodama says that, like, it's her director's cut, so I guess they were in charge of it, and they did all, like, maybe they had this American company doing all the, like, legwork, like, the, the stuff they don't want to do. Uh, yeah. And uh, Sega aimed for a mid-2002 release for both versions, but by April, Sega announced that the PS2 version would be delayed. Then in May, rumors swirled that it was canceled altogether. Sega denied this at Ouch. the time. A few months later, in August 2002... Um, Sega confirmed that they stopped development on the PlayStation 2 port of Legends in favor of the GameCube port. In hindsight, it's obvious that the PS2 was the JRPG machine. Do you think Sega at the time put too many eggs in Nintendo's basket with this and ports of Sonic 1 and 2? Um, I mean, as someone who didn't own a GameCube at the time, it was kind of annoying to see so many interesting ports going over there. Uh, especially this one mm. with the new features. It would have been cool if they spread it around. I feel like this game especially deserved a wider release, at least to the PlayStation 2, maybe Xbox. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I was I was annoyed not to see this one ported elsewhere. It was, uh, I mean, I looking back, I prefer the Dreamcast one, but this was a, a decent effort, at yeah. least. 
So yeah. let's talk up more about what the game had, right? So the team yeah. considered Skies of Arcadia Legends a d- director's cut of the game. Uh, and it featured quite a bit of new content that the Dreamcast version, uh, like all the the, the game's uh, swashbuckler ratings, they added new mm-hmm. eight new rankings, which is what they advertised in America. Um, right. They also, uh, the, the GameCube version had less frequent enemy battles and they gave you more XP per battle. Um, mm-hmm. This also came with faster loading. Graphically, the game featured slightly improved character models. Uh, they now had individual fingers. Uh, but it seems it's a give and take in this area because uh, apparently the GameCube had a not as accurate Z buffer. I don't know what that is. I'm not going to pretend I know. But apparently... It, of course it didn't. It, it had a Nintendo. 64-bit one and the cool dreamcast had a 32-bit which basically meant there was more clipping the polygons when they touched mm. they would clip more on the gamecube version very slightly i don't think that's that big of a deal i think yeah. having better models and better loading and less fighting is uh kind of gives it a little competitive edge on here um mm-hmm. i do have a uh video comparing the graphics of these two. Oh, I, I did have a video but then i i looked at it and i was like it's not really worth watching because it was like super close um, right. The game, uh, uh, well, uh, they had actually better frame rate. That's what I would say. If you saw slowdown, it would be fixed in the GameCube. Uh, hmm. the, the game also offered new side quests called Bounty Hunting at the Sailor's Guild, which offered information on bounties that unlocked more and more as you played. Uh, the bounty list included eight different bounties in total. One of these bounties included Visey, the legend, a trio of traveling entertainers that specialize in doing impressions who began doing impressions of our trio heroes and, and going and they went around terrifying uh, people <laughs> and like asking them for money and uh, if, you're, funny. if you're watching the video I have a picture of them on the thing they basically like by, they did a bad job because like they're just they look like evil versions of the characters right uh, B-I-Z-E the legend yeah. and it's like he's in red and like Aika's version has like purple hair the girl that's like imitating her not bad. yeah and they got caught too because you play the game but stuff i like-, like his face he's very like like half-lidded he's high he looks dude. sleepy he's yeah drugs dude I'm, I'm- oh but i'll be honest they're fina i like that design a lot more a lot yeah it looks more uh i don't know it looks cool i like the black and the red i think it looks i like cool. it um so yeah, I, I wish this kind of stuff was like added onto the Dreamcast. I understand it's not, but like if they ever do a re-release, I would love to see like all the stuff together, right? Like have a emulated version of the VMU game if you have to, or a uh, little mm-hmm. phone app. But yeah, the GameCube port also extended the number of discoveries in the game. While the Dreamcast featured sixty-four discoveries, the GameCube added another twenty-four, bringing the total number to eighty-eight. That's a lot. Hmm. Well, uh, the GameCube port is great and adds a lot of new features it also has some drawbacks it didn't have the vmu Uh game pita's quest and uh and they also had lower sound quality i was gonna play a bit uh, a little clip of it and i might maybe edit it in or something but like it's it's just very like muffled sound and i think the reason is because they didn't want to put this on two gamecube uh disc uh right like the dreamcast had more space i would say that's probably it and at this time, there's probably a modded version with the Dreamcast sound. <laughs> so you can get both if you really want to uh, modify it. And 
and Pika's quest is not really that needed. It's a nice extra. Does not kill the game, but like you said, you bought it because of that, right? How dare you? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Poor. Okay, and uh, so let's talk about other media this game has uh, been in. Um, even though Skyser of Arcadia was created almost 20 years ago, it has been 20 years wow. ago, the franchise mm-hmm. has pretty much been put on hold after Skies of Arcadia bombed on the Nintendo GameCube. But in late 2000s, early 2010s, the, uh, Skies of Arcadia got some notable cameo appearances. So the first one we're going to yes. be talking about is the one that we got for Valkyria Chronicles, the most popular one, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. It, it the game came out in 2008 and it featured Vice and Ika as recruitments and Fina was kind of like a backup surgeon so she'd come in the battlefield if you guys died um, mm-hmm. unsurprisingly uh, Shantaro Tanaka directed both this game and Skies of Arcadia so mm-hmm. it made sense uh, Vice also had a short uh, anime in the Valkyrie Chronicles anime, there was a, uh, an episode that had Vice in it. That's cool. <laughs> uh, Valkyrie Chronicles 3 also had him in it, which came out in 2009. They kind of tried to, like, extend his lore. I don't know. It just says basically that he's from a, a – di- he likes adventure and he's from a different uh, – he's somewhere far away kind of a thing. You know, <laughs> um, did you play Valkyrie Chronicles, and what did you think of Vice's cameos in these games? I did a bit, um, and of course for our Roger Craig Smith interview prep, I did uh, watch videos of his full cameo appearance as Vice, and um, I, I I thought Vice alone was a cool addition, but knowing that Roger voiced him and then getting to tell him that, and he's like, oh, because uh-huh. if you remember, we, we told him, and he was like, he had no idea that he was playing a cameo character. Yeah, like Sega didn't tell him. He just went in. No. Yeah. It he just be... went in and just played him. <laughs> yeah. He just looked at him and he's like, this is what he sounds like. All right, cool. Yep. It worked. Yep. Um, the next one we got was uh, uh, in 2012 in Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed. Uh, yes. It, it had a big Skies of Arcadia uh, presence. First, we got our boy as a racer, which uh, meant that the character got a brand new model. So let's talk about the model first. What do you think about the model of the 3D model that Sumo Digital created for Vice? Like, they kind of try to like make this new kind of like I don't know. It kind of looked like a. Okay, so my my problem with the way that a lot of things in uh, um, Sonic and All Star Racing look, they kind of look lifeless randomly, right? Like, there's no mm-hmm. like their eyes would just look blank. Like they would just drive like. Like they had no right. like uh, like emotion on their face, and I felt like. Skies of Arcadia was big on the facial like anime exmo- uh, uh, expressions, and they didn't really translate that in the game. What do you mm-hmm. think? But what, what do you think about the model? Yeah, I see what you mean. Like uh, especially the first All Stars game and even the tennis game, they did not excel at either three D character models or animation. They felt very like, I mean, let me let me see if I can do it like on the camera. It felt like. Yay! <laughs> you know, like and yeah, when they want yeah. when they want a game, they'd be like, they kind of had like one imp- expression on their face, like they never changed it. Yeah, <laughs> and then when they got hit, they'd be like, <laughs> and I, I mean, I guess it's because we we're going to be seeing them from the back all the time, and they probably were saving time on this. But I feel like 
it would have made right. a big difference. But like you get the Mario Kart eight memes, and it's like Luigi's like. They put a lot of you know, effort like, into that. You know, like there's a lot of effort. Yeah, and then you look at it all stars, and it's just like, Vice won. Yeah, that's something that could improve <laughs> in the future for sure. Uh, yeah. And uh, we also got a car uh, that was represented. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, this, he, it was uh, the Delphinus, the the ship. It was color coded mm-hmm. to look like it. Uh, what do you think about the ship? I mean, like that's one of my issues with the game too. Is like they try to redesign sometimes, or sometimes some characters don't have any car, and they try to design mm-hmm. one. And I'm like, well, I don't know if Beat would drive that. Maybe I don't know. Like. Oh, the De La Custom Gigi. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. like it's kind of strange. It's like some of these, ca- but this one at least has the color of a ship. It it's not as long as the ship. Mm-hmm. That long that ship is super long. But mm-hmm. I mean, I just thought it was it was okay. It has this weird yeah, like. Yeah, it was fine. It has this weird glim to it. All the games models and cars have like this weird shine to it. It's kind of weird. Besides yeah. that, though, I thought it should have looked rusted. But yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Also, Vice got his own racing track called rogues landing which i'm posting over here i mean people could see it if they're watching on youtube which is an Mm -hmm. island where the blue rogues meet and trade while you race there's a uh, obviously a war between the rogues and their enemy the armada um what did you think about this racing track i loved it i um i liked the i liked the flight in the game and so I really liked how this game combined the flight with the uh, land racing. I don't think there were any boats in this one, um, which is kind of a plus. The boats were probably my least favorite. So I thought it was really cool to race through the pirate ships and you flew over these like they were like farms or something like, you know, it, it just it felt really cool. And, you know, for someone who's wanted a sequel to this game, even if I've never finished the first one. Um, it was really neat to see the whole world in 3D. Because, I mean, you think about it, like, yeah, Jet Set Radio had tracks, but we had an Xbox One, or Xbox uh, uh, game with Jet Set Radio Future, which looked really awesome to begin with. But I think Skies of Arcadia, it just never had that next-gen level graphical, uh, you know, like, representation until then. Yeah. So that was that was really great. And I just remember because I mean you remember too. So um we were when Sega was rolling out the game to journalists like it was a very rare time when we were a part of that. Like we received I remember you got well we got the email and we were like oh my god they're making a sequel and look Panzer Dragoon's back and is that Vice? Oh my god. How do we deal with this? And we're like we made um a forum topic do you remember that and we're like this does not leave the forum it was the the staff forum we're like here's the information if you want more we can send it but you got to be very quiet don't tell anyone and people like oh my god this is so cool and so it was like (laughs) uh i i just kind of feel a special connection to the game in that regard because sega actually gave a shit about um you know cluing us in from day one on the game and giving us previews and everything so it feels special to me, um, and this track. I don't remember if this was showcased initially, but um, I remember Vice being a big deal at the time for sure. Um, 
so I agree with you 100%. Like, when I saw this, I freaked. I thought it was insane. I thought it was cool that we could see, like, the skies of Arcadia world. Um, at this point, it was, like, 12 years later on new hardware. It's mm-hmm. just really, really awesome. Um, so I looked up what did uh, Kodama, uh, Rikio Kodama, think about this, the game's producer. She said... It was very beautiful, and I was equally touched. I really felt the love and care the staff uh, uh, of, of the staff towards Skies of Arcadia. So. Right, and I think too didn't um, Sumo say when they showed uh, uh, some other people from the team like they cried because yeah, they I, were seeing. I, yeah, they. I don't remember the exact quote, but like they were seeing their game in in on modern hardware for the first time, and it was very faithful to the art style. So. Yeah, it was uh, Shintaro Tanaka, I think, because when they asked her the question in Kotaku, they said, oh, Shintaro Tanaka loved it. What do you think? And that's what she asked. Them. Oh, she yeah. was also touched. But uh, yeah, let's talk about um, Sonic Universe 45, issue yeah. number 45. This one had a massive... Do I have that? You probably do have it. Um, this one had a massive transformed... all. Uh, it's basically called Racing for the Stars. It came out in 2012. The issue was, was it Worlds Unite or Worlds Collide? No, no, it was U- Worlds Unite. It's the one we're going to talk about next. This one is the oh. this one is uh, a uh, crossover for All Stars Transformed. Oh. So it was basically a tra- uh, a All Star race. And yeah, it featured all the characters from Transformed, including Danica Patrick, our favorite Sega nice. hero. Yes. <laughs> um, so that one, if you guys are looking for uh, Vice in the comic, there's that one. But I actually recommend the next one we're going to be talking about more. Worlds United. In 2015, Archie yeah. launched a sequel to Sonic and Mega Man World Collide. Uh, titled Worlds United, with uh, which brought a bunch of Sega and Capcom cameos in a 12-part miniseries. One of mm-hmm. the franchises that made the cut was Skies of Arcadia. In the comic, Skies of Arcadia World is part of a multiverse which comes under attack by Sigma, forcing the Blue Rogues to join the other heroes in the unified army. Um, right. What, what is your opinion on these both these crossovers, and do you think maybe in the future IDW will take uh, some, I don't know, maybe do some more crossovers with Sigma <laughs> franchises, or do you think that's not going to happen? Um, I mean, so... Yeah, so uh, when these came out, I thought it was really awesome. I remember covering them, though, for the site, and it was a real headache because not only... There were, like, four comics releasing a month, and then there were the alternate covers, and then there was the reveals of the crossovers. And, yeah, we would, like, kind of ignore it if it if it was Capcom-based um, because that's not really news, Sega news. But, like, yeah, any time... A, a Sega IP was there. There was a story, and it was just... It was exciting, but it was kind of a headache after a while. Um, As a guy that collects uh, comics, trust me, man, I understand the headache. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean... Like, here, I, I think I got Vice. You can see him there, right? You see him? Yeah, he's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, it, it was a headache to news it, but just the, the idea alone of them doing a big crossover was very cool. Uh, Sonic Universe is 45 with the race, the All-Stars Racing Transform. It was fine. There wasn't too much going on. It was just kind of like them all doing a little witty banter. It was cool. But I think Sega and Archie at the time and IDW now are really dropping the ball 
on making comics for other Sega properties. I know that the IDW Sonic, for example, it's nearing issue, I want to say like 27 or something right now. And have you been reading those? I have not. I actually tried not to read like... uh tie-in stuff from other media because I'm like I just play a Sonic game like I don't know like right. if it affected the world and they like these characters would be like represented in a future Sonic game I would yeah, be yeah, like yeah. oh yeah I'm totally into it I want to see what the future could hold you know like but right. I, I, I thought that's what Sonic, Sega was going to be going for where like they'll have a big arc randomly and then it's like a tie-in to a big uh, game they haven't done that yet we actually haven't had a game yet since the comic book IDW launched because I mean right it takes yeah place and that's after that's forces. right and I've I've been reading all of them and I mean this isn't this is obviously not the our IDW Sonic um, podcast but I just wanted to mention it because you know they're they're focusing a lot more on the original stories which is totally fine but I think it's a little samey with like right now there's a, a virus going on oh, no. and in the real world this is not a comic book I want to like read you know yeah. because I'm and I'm looking at the previews for the next five issues, which is like five months out. They're still dealing with the virus thing. And I'm just like, end the the virus storyline. Anyway, the other thing is, is they're doing a lot of spinoffs, but they are all focused on um, the original characters again. So it seems like what IDW really should be doing, in my opinion, is a um, ongoing Sega All-Stars comic book. And what happens is every three or four issues you do a story arc that covers a specific Sega game so issue one to four could be um, a Skies of Arcadia story issues five through uh, eight could be Streets of Rage 4 tie-in comics so you know it's like Sega people who are Sega fans in general are going to be buying every issue because they're like oh what's coming up next and then you can set yourself up for eventual crossovers where there's a lot more investment because you're coming in not only with knowledge of the game, but also like a new story arc that Skies of Arcadia had. So when Sonic meets them, it's not just like, oh, hey, Vice, how's it going? I like your blue. And he'd be like, oh, it's cool. Instead, it's more like you get little hints of what's going on in the universe and you're more invested. I don't know. Like, It would make these crossover yeah. racing games like people actually care about. And, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. let's talk about let's a sequel. Like, this yes. is something that a lot of people have been talking about for this game since the first one came out. I feel I, I even remember when it came out, people would be like, in, the few friends I had that played it would be like, oh, when's this next one's coming out? I want to buy it on Dreamcast. Obviously, Dreamcast mm-hmm. died. But uh, so this talk about a sequel has been goes all the way back to 2001 uh, with o- o- uh, N- Naroshi Oba telling IGN mm-hmm. in June 20- 2001 that we're considering a sequel to Eternal Arcadia regarding which platform we're still evaluating, uh, evaluating it. In September 2002, before Skies of, uh, uh, of Arcadia Legends came out, Rikio Kodama told uh, GameSpy that the sequel hadn't started but she really wanted to do one in the future she said Mm -hmm. i would love to make a sequel but there but we were not really working on it yet we don't know (laughs) what platform we would make a sequel for but the gamecube has priority since legend is coming for it then in march 2004 obia announced they started planning stages for a sequel he said the skies of arcadia is in planning stages at the moment in late 2004, Rico came out in the German magazine and said, 
We had plans, but the other members are currently working on other projects such as Sakura Tizen, which means uh, Skies of Arcadia 2 is currently on hold. Anyway, I would be very glad about a new episode with the Sky Pirates. Hmm. Uh, so it's been a while, right? Uh, and yeah. the game is turning 20, and now Kinji Heroda, who did mm -hmm. map system programming in the original, took to Twitter to express to express uh, that he wanted a sequel. He asked, he basically quote tweeted somebody and he said, strongly, I really, really want to develop a sequel. And then in a follow-up, he did this in January, 2020. So it's like recent. Mm -hmm. And that got like 5,000 retweets. So it's basically viral. And, yeah. and there was a bunch of articles written on this. And then he said, that's a follow-up. Thank you to all the comments that he was really impressed that people still cared about the game and that he was going to get all the comments and show them to sega and you know how sega now is doing this whole like we care about fans you know we're listening uh yeah do you think anything's going to come out of this or do you think this is just uh hmm. gonna be another game that we never get a sequel to because i kind of felt like we were never going to get a valkyrie chronicles 4 and we actually right did. right or a sakura wars 5 That's for sure yeah yeah so i i'd say now I would not be so negative on the possibility. I feel like I feel like we would see Skies of Arcadia two before Jet Set Radio three, um, and That's I think too mad, huh? no, <laughs> not so much. <laughs> but uh, but I feel like if they are going to do it, it can't be a direct sequel because you're gonna unless you first release the the original game in an HD remaster to catch people up. You shouldn't be making a direct sequel that requires people to have knowledge of the previous game that's almost impossible to find unless you have a Dreamcast or a GameCube. And the GameCube one sells for like 80 bucks now. And I don't even know how much the Dreamcast one is, but it's a lot. Um, so I think what would have been smart, what would be smart, is to do it, do it but not have it have a number, no numbered sequel. Um, and what I think would be really cool is if it's set slightly in the future so vice is an adult now and he's like a pirate lord and maybe he's the villain and so you play a new maybe like trio of pirates yeah taking I, on vice i think that would be the smartest thing kind of like they do with uh, valkyrie chronicles where there's like this is a new squad <laughs> you know what i mean right um i do want to bring up one game i didn't put notes into this but there's a ps2 game that came out in like 2003 maybe 2004 called rogue galaxy um it's yeah a, yeah uh cell shaded uh space uh, exploration game but it has like real-time combat it's not really like skies of arcadia but a lot of fans say this is kind of like if you uh want something li like skies i guess or anything yeah. you know, with the exploration get this game personally i'm not a huge fan of the designs in the game but it's cool that square enix kind of tried their own skies of arcadia exploration space thing mm -hmm. um outside of that though we i do have uh let's get okay i'm i want you to guess since you can't see the screen how long do you think it takes for the average person to beat the main story of skies of arcadia 60 hours i actually thought it was about 60 cool considering that i played it right like I, I felt like it was forever. I looked it up and they said, according to this website that like just categorizes how long games are, the main yeah. story takes 45 and a half hours. Uh, mm. The 
main with extras takes about 48 and a half and if you want to complete the whole thing 100 percent 61 hours so not as bad as new rpgs like persona 5 that literally is like 150 plus hours uh, yeah um if you get the gamecube one though it's uh you kind of shave off eight hours of the game to just beat it so with this with the load time yeah right? yeah eight hours yeah. can you believe that dude um so that's all I've actually, the notes I have, we went through all mm-hmm. of them. We know wow. more about Skies of Arcadia. We only went on for like an hour and a half, two hours, right? Yeah. Do you want to read the Patreon comments about this game so we can close it up? Yes. I think just my final word would be that this is probably the definitive JRPG on the Sega Dreamcast. And I'm not just talking about, like, Sega developed, but out of all of them. Like, I think it beats Grandia 2 a little bit. I think it beats Evolution for sure, and I think it beats a lot of the other JRPGs. Um, I guess, you know, there aren't that many options on the Dreamcast. So if you are a Dreamcast collector, Dreamcast fan, and you have not played this, definitely play it. Because this is basically like, if you have Metropolis Street Racer, if you have Rayman 2, like, as, you know, kind of like the peak perfection uh this is up there too in my opinion and so um you know if you can find it buy it if you can't find it why don't you uh tweet to sega ask them to remaster it or release a sequel because i'd love to see it continue um so let's uh let's get into this so yeah if you support us on patreon at any level you get priority for having your memories read we will read your memories there is no pick and choosing. You will hear it. So here we go. We have uh, our longtime supporter, Daniel Andres, and he says, Skies of Arcadia is super great. I still have yet to finish the classic RPG, but so far I love everything about it. The world, look, and story all just mash together so well. <laughs> I feel that it has a lot of charm and heart definitely put into it just a couple of years ago, around late January or so. My fiance and I drove about an hour. Oh, showing off here. Showing about uh, drove about an hour from home one night to go explore other parts of our state. Remember leaving your house, George? That yeah, sounds nice. I don't, uh, I don't know what that's like. <laughs> Around that area, we found this neat little retro gaming store, and what do you know? They had Skies of Arcadia. Ever since then, I've been playing it every now and then like I do almost every game that I own. Wow, aren't you lucky? (laughs) I don't think I've played every game I've owned. Um, Right now, I'm trying to play through Panzer Dragoon Saga. Again, bragging. Bragging, dude. This guy's rich. I want to go live with this guy. Girlfriend and... He says, but it won't be long until I get back to Skies again. Yeah, you should definitely get back to it. Quit bragging. Come on. Uh, (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, TH here says, the game has a unique feel to it. That sets it apart from other RPGs. It has a great sense of adventure to it. And the ship battles are exciting. I agree, TH. I really enjoyed my time in this strange world of flying ships. Love this game. I hope that Sega re-releases this game on the current crop of consoles as well as Steam. With the current boom of remasters, I'm actually feeling optimistic it'll happen. Come on, Sega. Seeger. Come on, Seeger. It'd be a great PlayStation 5 game, right? Like, Skies hey. of Arcadia 2 and the, the remaster of this one. I'd be all for it. And that's all we have for this episode of Sega Talk. We'll catch you on the next one. What are we going to cover next time? 
You want to give him a teaser? Uh, shoot, I, I believe it's um, not a game and it's not a console. Oh, that's pretty good. And it's not retro either. No, it's not. It's new, neutral. All right, then we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> see <laughs> you then. Bye.